right, this is your friend Carol with Piedmont Trails. I want to welcome everyone to today's show. This is Season 2, Episode 21, entitled The Moravian Lands of North Carolina. This is not going to be a typical um, podcast show of what we've normally been conducting um, through the past several years. This Today's show is going to be somewhat different. I'm sort of freelancing this uh, topic. I have been personally involved with uh, researching the Moravians um, for a very, very long time. And oftentimes prior to these shows, I will gather notes, I will prepare um, official sentences, wording, phrases that I want to share with all of you. And today is going to be somewhat different. We're going to be um, discussing random things in association with the lands of the Moravians in terms of my personal research that I have discovered and found along the way. So I want to thank each of you uh, for joining me today. And um, as always, if you have any questions or comments or suggestions about any of the shows of Piedmont Trails, you can leave a voice message at the end of the podcast or you can always contact me through the website at PiedmontTrails.com. So without further ado, let's get started with today's show right after this small break. For those of you who are interested in knowing about the Great Wagon Road Project, we are officially beginning again on March 15th of 2021. We originally postponed the project due to the current pandemic and the virus, and March 15th is our start date for the project to begin again. If you have questions about this tremendous adventure, Please contact us at PiedmontTrails.com and you can search on the search page, uh, enter in the Great Wagon Road Project and we'll take you straight to the page with all the current information, uh, details and data of the project moving forward. We are so happy that uh, spring is, is beginning and the project is beginning again and we are in hopes and being very optimistic about the treasures and fascinating materials and documents that we'll find along the way. Hopefully, our goal is to forever proclaim the Great Wagon Road as a historic national trail. So, if you have questions about the Great Wagon Road Project, be sure to visit PiedmontTrails.com. And let's give a hand for March 15th in the beginning of researching once again on this amazing trail. Alright, back to the show, and thanks again for joining me today. Um, And like I said, if you have questions or comments about today's show, please feel free to leave those as a voicemail at the end of the podcast, or visit PiedmontTrails.com, click on the contact page, and you can contact me directly through that, using that method. Like I said earlier in the introduction of the show, today's going to be a little bit different. Um, we're discussing today's topic as the Moravian lands of North Carolina, and I first want to reiterate the importance of um, the Moravians' mission and how their mission and their goals affected North Carolina's history. So I'm going to begin with their mission, 
if you're not aware of the Moravian history, they began um, many, many, many years ago, <laughs> but they came together, so to speak, during the year of 1727 in Herrenhut, Virginia, uh, Herrenhut uh, Germany. I'm sorry, I don't know why I have Virginia on my mind today, but I do. Um, they became more organized in, during the year of 1727. It's, the Moravians have a very long history dating back to five, 400 and 500 years of history. But in 1727, these people came together and they really began to organize. During this process, they also became associated with um, very prosperous people. I'm going to say that like that because there's a reason for this. Um, one of the interesting individuals that I encourage everyone to look further into is Zinzendorf. And if you punch in that name on any Moravian historical site, you will get the information of what you're striving for if you've never heard of Zinzendorf and his uh, contributions to the Moravians and his leadership roles, how he led the Moravians into worldwide status. And when I say worldwide, I literally mean worldwide. The Americas was not the um, initial starting date of the missionary work of the Moravians. But let me back up just for a second. I want to say one thing about the Moravians and their religion and how they associated with one another. The Moravians' religion was comprised of unity and that is so important it's unity it, that's the nucleus of the Moravians religion it's a unity with the Holy Spirit unity with Jesus Christ unity with God our Heavenly Father unity with one another as brothers and sisters all working together towards one goal and sharing the good news sharing their views with others. Unity was the number one thing. So they began with this theme of unity and then they branched from there. How they could organize themselves more, be more productive, working together, not concentrating on themselves as a self-worth, but how they could judge their worth as a unified group. And if you look at the Moravians in this sense, from the beginning, then you will fully understand certain methods and rules that came into play years later, and you'll understand how that those uh, came into effect. But at any rate, they begin to do missionary work, and they were worldwide. Um, St. Thomas, uh, Greenland, um, southern portions of Africa were already uh, established with small settlements before the Moravians even arrived to the colonies of America. They attempted several co uh, one southern colony in Georgia by the year of 1734-1735 and this um, expedition proved to be fatal. They ended up abandoning this the small settlement however records do survive and if you are interested in learning more about the um, settlement in southern Georgia in 
in Georgia, then I urge you to research the Moravian Archives, which you can find online, and uh, just punch in Moravian Archives, and it will guide you to the proper location of where you would like to be. There are tons and tons of Moravian diaries, documents, materials, maps, and so much more that you can find online. I always encourage everyone to um, do a more personal research with hands-on experience, but of course, during this time of what uh, present-day events with um, the virus and everything, that may limit you, or you may not have the time to visit the actual archives. There are two archives for the Moravians. There's a northern province and there's a southern province. The northern province was established in Bethlehem, and this is where the Moravians migrated to next after abandoning the Georgia settlement. Bethlehem was a well-organized settlement um, based primarily to um, help spread the word of the Moravians' beliefs and to help contribute and support the local community and also help to support and convert the um, Native Americans in which they were successful in doing this. If you uh, ever have the chance to visit God's Acre that is located in uh, Bethlehem, this is a cemetery for the Moravians in, during this particular time period and you will find a vast amount of um, individuals who were actual members of the Moravian Church which and they are buried at God's Acre. Only the members of the Moravian Church are buried in God's Acre and they always name their cemetery as God's Acre. If you'd like to learn more about the Moravian history and their beliefs uh, I urge you to do that. There are several very good books out there. I will try to post my um, portion of these in the heading for the podcast show in the details section. And there are also many good uh, websites out there with excellent, excellent information. The Moravians hold a personal tie to me in my heart due to my family heritage. Um, and they were one of the first major groups that I really got into researching. Uh, this has been a lifelong journey for me and um, and so rewarding uh, it, to understand how the rules came into play, how things were established, how they conducted themselves through daily routines. The Moravians are very well known for documenting each and everything um, that happened to them. But not, let me back that up. They, they documented and were very good at preserving records, but they did not document everything, <laughs> which today's show is going to highlight on some of those. So, all right, let's get started now from moving from Georgia to Bethlehem, and now we're beginning to set the stage for North Carolina. Now, if you've listened to any of my other shows or if you've read any of the articles that are have been posted on Piedmont Trails, you will be very familiar with the next sentence that I'm getting ready to recite, and that is, everyone 
knew about lands being available in North Carolina. It was no secret. It was no secret. And the Moravians were one of these groups of people who were very fully aware of the lands that were becoming available in North Carolina. The Moravians at this particular point in time in history are progressing and they're not only are they progressing with their settlements and and how they they're organized how they are um, feeding their own communities and others uh, outside of the community they're providing shelter they are they depend upon themselves 100 percent they make their own clothing they feed themselves they can uh, construct their own meals they have their own blacksmiths so they are a thriving community that is solely dependent upon themselves in a unity sense. Don't forget the word unity. It is so important. Okay. And when North Carolina lands become available, they're aware of this. Now keep in mind, the year is 1752. And if you've ever heard me tell stories about uh, some of the adventures and some of the things that we have come across with the Great Wagon Road Project, you will have heard me say that hundreds and hundreds of families have already arrived into North Carolina prior to 1750. In fact, many of my early live chat events, these live video formats that I did um, in the latter part of last year, I would keep reiterating this, uh, trying to get this in everyone's head. Yes, this was possible, and yes, they did travel to North Carolina, and yes, they were settled in North Carolina before the Moravians arrived. It is a known fact, a proven fact. Now, the Moravians did arrive, 12 men um, picked out by the elders, and some, some of the elders, Spagenberg uh, was an elder, who accompanied the group and there were other elders in the group Henry Antes was the other one uh, that quickly comes to mind and these men traveled from Bethlehem Pennsylvania down through Shenandoah Valley of Virginia and arrived in North Carolina during the late autumn of 1752 these men kept a written account of their experiences along this route um, sickness was prevalent um, several of the men were sick but their main goal in this trip was to find lands large enough to support a settlement of which they left from which was Bethlehem and they traveled all the way to from into the western frontier of North Carolina um, some speculations as far west as Blowing Rock and in Watauga County and then backtracked along a, a different route into the Piedmont section of North Carolina. Now before they set off on this great adventure across the Carolina frontier they stopped in Edenton and they spoke with several um, individuals there and several other people also accompanied them on this trip. They had several hunters, um, several guidesmen, and um, several surveyors, and one in particular of William Churton. Now, also prior to them embarking on this adventure, they'd already held correspondence with Lord Granville, 
and Francis Corbin and I'm just randomly as I'm like I said I'm freelancing this podcast today with you guys so uh, these names are popping in my head as I'm speaking with you about this these are names that I urge each and every one of you to investigate and look further into and the reason why is because they paid a particular very important element in with North Carolina's history and the Wachovia Tract. Now the Wachovia Tract, I'm sure majority of the listeners have heard of this, but this is known as the Moravian Lands. The Moravians did in fact um, decide on several tracts of land in which Churton did survey um, during this expedition. The 12 elders who um, accompanied with the trip finally departed from Edenton, North Carolina around February 12th, 13th and headed back to Bethlehem. Uh, They carried with them their diaries, their personal journals, their reports, other various documents, uh, a contract from Lord Granville and um, survey maps, copies of these maps from Churton and they traveled back to Bethlehem. Now after they left, Churton took it upon himself to also survey five additional tracks. And not quite sure why this was done. This is another point in where I urge you all to investigate and learn more from. But there were 17 surveys conducted by Churton that were filed in the Granville Land Office which originally opened in 1748 and these land warrants were approved and um, a deed was cast out for each one but not in the names of any of these elders who accompanied the trip to North Carolina it was actually written in the name of James Hutton This is another name that I strongly urge each and every one of you to investigate. James Hutton was known at this particular time as a secretary of the Moravians. He was located in London, England. He never set foot, to my knowledge that I've been able to prove, he never stepped foot upon the lands of North Carolina in which his name was on all of these deeds. Now, years later, the five additional tracks that Churton happened to survey after the 12 elders had left Spagenberg um, and his and Henriantes and the rest of them, Antes, I was thinking I was saying his name wrong, Antes, um, left for, to go to return back to Bethlehem. Years later, these deeds were actually submitted as well. The original track consisted of 73,000, I'm doing this by memory, 73,400 and some odd acres. Um, The end result years later was 93,000 and some odd acres. Mainly comprised through the counties of um, Forsyth County is what it mainly comprised of in present day form. Now, after all this is being said, the Moravians noted people and families who were living in the area 
during the time of their journey in 1752. And all through the years I have researched these families and I have uh, pinpointed many of their home locations, where they were, who they were, where they came from, and uh, in some cases I have proven what happened to their lands and what happened to them. The Moravians were becoming more business sensed. I guess that's the best way to put this. Um, land, and if you've ever heard me say this before in the past, land was very valuable during the colonial period. And why is that? If, for all you listeners who've listened to me, I hope you can recite why it was so important. But the main reason why it was and so important was the status colonial status was everything if you owned land you were able to vote you were able to prosper your family much more effectively and you were automatically gained respect in your within your community owning land was the secret to colonial success during those during the 18th century okay there are several things that I want to point out in the show right now concerning this um, one number one thing is Bishop Spagenberg is contemplating the decision and he's thinking about backing out of the North Carolina deal completely this is after his return back to Bethlehem he is thinking over what all has transpired and what has uh, taken place in North Carolina and he's not very pleased with the land condition. He, he, he is stating in many of his letters that the land is poor. Uh, it has its good points here, but it's got very bad points here. And he is contemplating of backing out of the deal altogether. Now he's writing letters uh, and corresponding with, his, uh, with bishops in Herrenhut, Germany. He is also... Oh, excuse me. He's also writing letters to his brothers in London, England, who are business and very, um, how do I want to say this? They are very, um, very influential individuals who are very prosperous. Um, they are rich. Um, they have money. They have education. And they are now associated with the Moravian Church. They reside in London. And he, Spagenberg is also um, corresponding with his uh, elders and, and other bishops in Bethlehem. So he is thinking of backing out of the deal. And it was that during this time that James Hutton becomes a key player in this. And he is stressing to Spagenberg, you need to go ahead with the deal. But... We need to request more acreage to compensate for the poor lands. And we need to devise our own county. Yes, you heard me right. The James Hutton wanted the Moravians to incorporate their own county. Now at this time in 1753, Rowan has become a county. So now to become part of the deal, the Moravians want to incorporate their own county or own parish. Okay? This includes a lot of power that comes with this. 
keep that in mind. Now, moving forward, if you'll remember, I stated earlier in the show that William Church and the surveyor who accompanied the Moravians on their expedition during 1752, he surveyed five additional tracks after Spagenberg uh, and his party of men left to return back to Bethlehem. It was these five tracks that were added to the deal. The original track consisted of 73,000 and some odd acres. Now it's equivalent to 93,000 and some odd acres. Here's another thing that I want to point out which is very important. The Granville Land Company opened in North Carolina during the year of 1748. They had stipulations and rules and guidelines to follow whenever anyone applied for a land warrant or land grant which was later transformed uh, into a deed. And they are this. Usually it was 100 acres was allowed per head of family. So you have a family traveling down from the middle and northern colonies they are embarking on an adventure and they want to seize the opportunity of the land grants that are available in North Carolina. This family has a head of family and they are allowed 100 acres for their land warrant. This was the normal case scenario. The governor, the royal governor of the Carolina colony was allowed to sell up to 630 acres of land out of the Lord Granville track if he desired to. I want to repeat that. The royal governor had the opportunity to sell up to 630 acres out of the Lord Granville Act, uh, track. At times, if you'll go through the North Carolina land grants, you will see um, there are a few other land grants that are more than 630 acres but it is rare it is very rare but when you go and you look up for the North Carolina land grants for the Moravians you will see one track of 5,296 acres another track 2,600 some acres another track another 5,600 some acres and on and on and on. Very important points to point out. In compensation of the poor lands, the additional five uh, tracts of land that Churton did survey, but also become part of the Wachovia track. Now we're going to move forward with these lands. And we're going to look at some neighbor community aspects of how the community is reacting to the Moravians arriving into North Carolina after they have surveyed their property and their deeds have been approved and now they're moving into the area and establishing their presence and their settlement their first settlement which is Pythabra. The elders of Bethlehem chose several gifted craftsmen of mainly compri all comprised of men 
who embarked on the journey from Pennsylvania to North Carolina, and they began the origins of Pythabra Settlement, which was the first Moravian settlement in North Carolina. They were successful in doing this, and within the next year, families began to arrive to the area, which was an, quite an achievement. It was quite an achievement. For the most part, the neighbors seemed to welcome the Moravians to the area. But now we need to also stress during this particular time there were also neighbors that were not welcoming to the new members of the area. Um, and getting back to the lands, the lands stayed in litigation and disputes for many, many years, many years. And I urge each and every one of you to research this further into North Carolina's history because it is part of our state's history. Um, there are several places um, that were associated with the original Moravian lands, uh, specifically in Wilkes County, that stayed in litigations for 70 years before a decision was finally achieved. So there were disputes all throughout this time period of Moravians um, having land that they that others felt like it was their land. They all Moravians were having to deal with squatters who are arriving to the area and, and settling on portions of their lands. And there is an important fact that not many people are aware of, but that soon after the deeds were constructed and and and, and completed for the Moravian Wachovia tract, the Moravians created a land company. They created a land company. And I want you, I urge each and every one of you to research into, further into this as well. Because the land company of the Moravians deserves an entire show, if not more, just specifically devoted to the land company of the Moravians. Because that is a fascinating topic to research and to discuss. Very fascinating. I'm going to go in further and into time and I'm going to discuss a specific petition um, that was devised by the Moravians during the year 1771 but before I get there I want to stress upon the fact that the Moravians were very um, they knew quite a lot of people who were very influential and prosperous and um, filled with all types of educational backgrounds um, and one of these individuals was Arthur Dobbs and Arthur Dobbs uh, became uh, our a royal governor of the Carolina colony years later but before that the Moravians were already very familiar with Arthur Dobbs they knew him personally they corresponded with him often um, they met him in London numerous times. So, you that's where I stress again, research, 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 to get the details. And this goes with all family histories. When you ask yourself a question, and you are wanting that answer, you have got to research for those answers. You've got to dig, really dig deep for the details. And the more you dig and research and the more you want to know it's that drive that that you want to know 
that's what's going to keep you going I promise you that will keep you going you may find times when it's so frustrating that you can't find anything then just give it a rest get take a step back let yourself breathe for a little bit and then come back to it and I have done this numerous times all throughout the years if you'll take a step back take a little breather and come back things look new believe me and you will find things that you will not it will just amaze yourself but going back to Arthur Dobbs I find it fascinating to know that the the Moravian elders many of the bishops and, and they were corresponding with Arthur Dobbs for years um, it's just very interesting to note that but I wanted to get back to this petition uh, dated November the 9th of 1771 it was submitted by the Moravians requesting that the lands of the Wachovia track were first settled by the Moravians and that a new distinct parish was to be recognized as Dobbs Parish now I bring this up for a couple of reasons but the the main thing is this the Moravians felt it was very very important in the latter part of 1771 for it to be recognized that they were first in that area to settle when the actual facts are they were not if you'll remember going back to the beginning of the show I stressed there were families noted in the Moravian diaries themselves that they traveled and came upon during their first expedition in the late fall of the year of 1752 but I find it ironic to see this petition which you can find online if you search for um, let me get the website for you but the source is documenting the American South colonial and South and state records of North Carolina you can find this actual petition intact word for word if you read it all it is fascinating to read and to understand and then knowing the background of what I've shared with you today as you can see the Moravians history and their ties and links into North Carolina's history is an amazing journey it's a topic that can be discussed for days weeks months years on end <laughs> I would love to do that <laughs> but I want to stress here at, like I stressed at the beginning and that is the word unity it was that word that allowed the Moravians to prosper in the methods that they chose to do I want to go back to the year of 1727 and if you'll remember I said that the Moravians really became organized during this particular year and they were located in Herrenhut, Germany it was at this time when they discovered something that is associated with unity and that is this they all would gather together in prayer all at one time and they would pray together on praying about the same thing together all as one unit together and they felt that by doing this they were 
would receive a blessing and that they were in close communications with the Holy Spirit. So from that year forward, they designated specific times to come together and pray. But then they took it a step further and they decided we're going to pray, have a group, a pair of our community, two people, to come together every hour of every day and commence with praying. This is something that the Moravians did, not just for a month, not for a year, but for a hundred years, they continuously carried this practice. For 100 years, two people were chosen to pray every hour. Now, there were guidelines. If you fail to participate in this hourly prayer event, then there were some um, restrictions that were placed upon you. They were very disciplined. And it all comes back to that unity. It's just amazing to think um, of how quickly they were able to prosper from that year of 1727 and then stand back and look at them at the onset of the American Revolutionary War and how far they had come to that point. It's amazing. Um, I urge each and every one of you to research the Moravian history. It, it is not only inspiring, but it is so fulfilling. It's, a, it's quite a journey. It really is. And to dig deeper into the actual people and their lives, their daily routines, they, all of these things you can easily find in the Moravian archives. And if you're just beginning with your genealogy research and you have ties to the Moravians, I say begin right there because that's, that is one thing that I think will you will carry with you for the rest of your family history research and it, it will help you keep going along on your journey. I want to thank you all so much for joining me today and I hope that um, the show has been good for you. I have really enjoyed doing it and I've enjoyed sharing all these things with you and I, I like I said I could go on and on about the Moravians but we've got to have a stopping point don't we? We've got to save some things for another day. Um, thanks, thanks again for joining me. Our ancestors left an amazing trail to follow and I hope you enjoy your journey today to the past. And God bless. <music>